Acts chapter 16 from verse 6. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we went out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We, we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she persuaded us. Thanks, Jeff, for reading that for us. Let me just raise this up a bit. I'm pretty sure you can see me from behind this mic, but I'll get it out of the way anyway. My name's Aaron, for those who I haven't met yet. Uh, Susanna, who did the kids' talk, is um, uh, my wife, and uh, you probably saw my little boy down the front there, but uh, we'd love, I'd love to have a chat to you after the service uh, if you're still uh, around. I don't know if I've ever preached in this uh, level of humidity before, so if I start dripping, uh, uh, forgive me, but um, why don't we pray uh, before we open God's word. Dear Father, we're thankful that despite any circumstance, whether it be hot, cold, um, whether it be in pain, or whether it be uh, in joy, or um, good times, bad times, whatever it is, that you are with us, and that you enable us to do whatever we are meant to do uh, at the right time. And so God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit guide us. I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide my words, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide our hearts and our minds to respond to what it is that you want us to hear this morning. We pray for the kids' ministries that you will bless them uh, this morning as well. In your name, amen. Uh, when I was at Trinity Church, Colonel Lake Gardens, we started the prayer for five commitments. Can anyone remember uh, that? We did start it up here as well. And uh, I remember signing my five names. Essentially, we signed five names down on a, on a card and we committed to, to pray for them. And I remember writing, my, writing them down and sticking it on the fridge and, and uh, starting off strong and praying a lot for them. I was seeking opportunities to share the gospel with these uh, particular uh, people. 
Uh, but I found that over time, as there was a bit of resistance, a bit of hardship, doors just seemed to be shutting. I sort of got a bit discouraged, and I sort of waned a little bit in my prayer for them. I sort of wanted to move on to another opportunity that I thought potentially might be more uh, promising. I share this because I feel that I'm not alone in this experience. I reckon all of us has that one particular person that we loved and we still love and, and we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray and then over time it's, it's nothing just seems to be happening and doors just seem to be shut and we start moving on to other things and it doesn't mean we don't love that person anymore, it's just that we just, maybe it's discouragement or hardship or whatever it is, it just seems to uh, put a blanket over that uh, flame. It's hard remaining faithful, isn't it? It's hard trusting in God. It's hard waiting for him to lead and to guide for the right time to say things and do things. The story of Lydia that we're going to look at this morning has some really important truths that I think uh, has most certainly helped me and I think will help all of us, especially as we head into 2024. And the question the passage is going to answer for us is this, is what should we remember when God's gospel mission to reach the lost seems to be failing. Now, the first thing we're going to see in this passage is that despite circumstances, or despite what we can see, God is working providentially behind the scenes uh, to do his work. So if you've got your Bibles there, uh, uh, go back to verse, verse 6 with me. He says, Paul and his companions travelled throughout Phrygia, so through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas and would just stop there. Why would the Holy Spirit stop them from preaching the gospel in, in Asia? Surely that's a good thing, don't you think? Um, they've got the Great Commission, that's what we've been commanded to do, but the Spirit says no. You can imagine how frustrating that might get. They tried Bithynia, and uh, lo and behold, another shut door. God's shutting doors on them. They looked like tremendous opportunities from a natural perspective, but it wasn't where God was leading them. Now, I don't know how it was that God, through the Holy Spirit, said no. Um, maybe it was an inward lack of peace that they had. Uh, maybe it was um, outside opposition from, from uh, other cultures or religions or the Jewish opposition. One writer seems to think that uh, the way that God had said no in this circumstance was that actually Paul got sick and he couldn't physically go to these areas, and so he made way straight to Troas to meet a doctor. And we know he met a doctor there because the author of Luke, so the author of Acts is a doctor named Luke. I mean, when we get to verses 10, you're going to see he says, we, in Troas, so they've met up there. But I don't know, but what we do know is that when we look at verses 9 and 10, the uh, yes seems a bit clearer for him. Have a look at 9 and 10. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to to them. Just imagine, finally, an open door. I mean, you can just think the relief here. God's opened a door for us. Have a look at verses 11 to 13. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Thomathras, and the next day we went to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to a river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. So Paul and Silas get to Philippi, but it's not what they would have expected. Uh, When they normally get to a new town or region, they would go to the local synagogue. That would be their starting point. There's no synagogue in Philippi, which means that there aren't enough men to start one up. In fact, Jewish law said that if there was 10 men, you would start a synagogue. So there's no starting point for them. They get there and they don't know what to do. They're there for a couple days. A couple days have passed and you can just imagine, just imagine, then Paul's sitting there, God, I thought this is where you open the door. Where's this man from the Macedonian coal? You gave me this vision. Where is this man? I can't see him. So anyway, on the Sabbath, they go looking. Um, Unsanctioned religion wasn't allowed in the city. You can read that in verses 20 and 21 of this chapter. When they get there, all they find is women. Just imagine, this must have just felt like another red herring, like another closed door, maybe another disappointment for them. Have you ever had an experience where it looks like uh, God's leading isn't what you would expect it to be or what you'd planned for? But the story has a twist. Have a look at verses 14. One of those listening was a woman, uh, woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. We'll just stop there. When we reflect over these past few verses, I think the author of Acts wants to make it clear to us that the meeting of Lydia isn't an accident. In fact, it's the very providence, the providential hand of God. And what I mean by providence is God's providing care, especially in regards to guidance and direction. Lydia is from Thyatira. Does anyone know where Thyatira is? It's in Asia, or back then it was called Asia Minor. Initially, it would seem that God brought Lydia from Thyatira to Philippi for business purposes. I mean, you're going to a tax-free zone, a dealer of purple goods, which was quite a lucrative business, a Roman colony, busy trade route in Philippi, especially the gateway into Europe, in, in, in that region, yet un, unbeknownst to her, God had a, another purpose for her relocation. Just stop, stop and, and think for a minute. Paul wanted to go share the gospel in Asia, didn't he? And God said, you can't go. So he says, all right, shut door. But he goes to Macedonia. But the first convert is going to be someone from Asia. When God closed the door on Asia, he hadn't given up on the people in Asia. That's important. 
He just had another plan in place to reach these people. He was working behind the scenes in order to do so. God had a heart for the people in Asia, but the way he wanted to reach them was by Paul meeting a wealthy businesswoman away from home. This would have been totally unexpected for Paul. Get this. The Lord used a vision of a European man to first pursue an Asian woman. I mean, that just doesn't seem logical, does it? This doesn't seem the way we would expect things to work. Can you see the providential hand of God in all this? The way he shut doors, the way there was no synagogue in Philippi, the way he lived an Asian woman, woman to live in a European city, the way God works behind the scenes to achieve his mission. I had a mate in university who I became very close to. Uh, we studied all together, we'd sit, we'd sit down and do our assignments together and we did a lot of placements together and, and uh, we talked, played tennis. And, but one of, his, one of his ground rules to me was, Aaron, I don't want you to uh, share the gospel. Like I grew up, I've heard it, I don't, don't want it. So I prayed for him and tried to, tried to find, plant seeds as you do and tried to look for opportunities but it just didn't seem to come. And I remember it was the very last day. We handed in our last assignment. And we're sitting at the East Campus at Flinders Medical Centre on the rocks there. And we're chatting away. And he said, look, I've, I've got a job up in Alice Springs. I'm leaving on Saturday. It was the Thursday. And I was staying here at Flinders Medical Centre. And uh, I remember going home. I felt pretty upset, pretty discouraged. I felt a bit ashamed because maybe I hadn't pushed hard enough to share the gospel with him. You know, you sort of feel like, oh, I could have said something, but I didn't. And uh, that was it. He left. Uh, the door was shut for good, or at least that's what I had thought. About four years later, Susanna's brother moved up to Alice Springs to work. And while I was up there, I thought I might just catch my mate. I'll see if he's still up there. And he was. And it was during this meeting that I was able to share the gospel with him as freely as I ever had, and he heard the story of Jesus. God's previous closed doors in this circumstance for me was, was a just not yet uh, for him. God providentially works in ways that you may not see, you may not understand, or be aware of. He works in these particular ways to achieve his mission of spreading the gospel. So don't give, don't give up. I get frustrated. I keep trusting in the good plans of God. Keep staying ready uh, to talk if need be. I think where this gets really hard for us is when God works in ways we don't understand or in uh, ways that seem like dead ends. Let me ask you this. How do you respond to closed doors from the Lord? It's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? The Holy Spirit often guides through hindrance and will often tell you where to go by showing you where not to go. God's, someone, someone else has said this, so I've taken it from them, and I don't know who, but God's no is just as important as God's go. Uh, this is a very important lesson for us to learn, isn't it? Although closed doors are not the type of guidance we want, they're nevertheless true guidance. 
Uh, this guidance keeps us from going where we're not called to go, in that in God's time, we might go where he wants us uh, to go. When everything seems out of control, control, doors are closing, circumstances are discouraging, just remember, God's still working behind the scenes. He's just, he's just working in his time, in his perfect way, and I promise you it will all make sense. Maybe if you're just checking out who Jesus is uh, this morning, um, maybe consider being here right now uh, is God's providential hand in leading you uh, here to change your heart to listen to this sermon. The first thing we see from the conversion of Lydia is that God builds his church providentially in leading and guiding us. The second thing we're going to see in this passage is that God builds his church by opening hearts. Have a look at verse 14. One of those listening was a woman in the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. We read about Lydia. She was a worshipper of God. God had already providentially brought her out of pagan worship of probably many gods uh, to the one true God. However, while Lydia knew the God that gave the Ten Commandments, she didn't know Jesus who would free her and liberate her from sin and give her peace. So the Lord opened her heart to hear Paul's message, the good news of Jesus. The good news of how God so loved the world that he sent his only son to rescue people by living a perfect life and offering himself as a perfect, perfect sacrifice to forgive the rebellion of everyone who believes in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. But why did the Lord have to open Lydia's heart to believe Paul's message? Well, because like all of us, she was born with a closed heart. She was born with a heart of stone. If you don't love Jesus here, um, who takes away the sin of the world, who can take away your sin, then I beg you to cry out to the Lord and plead to him to open your heart, just like you did with Lydia's. If you do love Jesus, then remember this. Remember that it's only because the God of grace has come and opened your heart by the supernatural power of his spirit is the reason why you love Jesus. Just because Lydia was a worshipper of God doesn't mean her conversion was any easier. She still needed supernatural work of God to open her heart. I think it's those who grew up, grow up in the church who say they believe in God, know all the right things to say, but haven't experienced the eye-opening and heart-changing miracle of true faith that can, in fact, be the hardest of hearts. There's someone who's very dear to me, and uh, this person was baptised, grew up praying the prayers, singing the songs, but now lives like Jesus doesn't exist. I would claim to still believe, but there's no time or desire for Jesus in their life. It's this person when confronted about the love of Jesus, sees no need for the Saviour because they've already said a prayer and they've gone to church. It's this person who can be the hardest of hearts. What God did in Lydia's heart was a miracle. God providentially pursued her and powerfully opened her heart. Just before New Year's Eve, a week ago, uh, I was standing bedside 
to a young girl who had just uh, hung herself. I was I, the level of desperation, of helplessness, the feeling that there's no other option of escape other than take your own life must have been immense for this young girl. In that moment, I had a wave of despair. I remember standing by that bedside, just feeling a heavy heart. How can we let these people, how can we help these people before it's too late? Then I remembered the power of God that can open and liberate hearts. When we read about the power of God to open hearts, we should be encouraged. For there's no heart too hard and there's no heart too broken that God can't open. He can. The power of God to intervene back then is just as powerful today. Do you have a loved one who by faith has yet to embrace Jesus as Lord and Saviour? Have you tried to witness, prayed for God's intervention? Maybe you're feeling like it's an impossible task? Well, take heart. Because God can and has the power to open their hearts. So keep praying, keep praying. The first thing we need to see from the conversion of Lydia is that God providentially works to change hearts. He's just working behind the scenes. The second thing we need to see is that God can powerfully open hearts. When it seems impossible, maybe you've given up hope, remember that God is sovereign over even the stubbornness and even the brokenness of hearts and can intervene. He is indeed mighty to save. The last thing we see in verse 15 is that God builds his church by changing lives. Have a look at verse 15. Uh, when, when she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded them. First we see the gospel transformation of Lydia. God opens her heart, and she opens her home. What's interesting, I find, in this passage is, is that you don't have those in need for help, begging for help. You have those uh, with a heart of spiritual service begging for the opportunity to be that blessing. You see that? She's, she persuaded Paul, can come and stay at my house. God changes her heart. And the effect of this heart change is a change of purpose for her life. She's now driven by the grace of God and gospel mission. I'm sure she still sold purple goods, but now she's selling them for the Lord and his work. Her house was large, and it's now been used for gospel-centered hospitality. But God's saving work uh, didn't just stop with Lydia. The gospel transformed communities. You see, her whole household became believers and were baptized. But it didn't just stop with the household either. Uh, the Lord used Lydia to build his church in Philippi. If you just cast your eyes to verse 40 of chapter 16, it says, After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, then they left. Lydia's house has seemingly become the original meeting place of the Philippian church, but I want you to notice something. Don't miss this. For a town, when they first got there, there were seemingly no men, which is why they went out and they found only women. Now, 
there's probably a town and households full of men wanting to lead their families in the Lord. You see that? They met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. What an amazing work of how God's transforming communities. But it didn't just stop there either. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, and we're not going to read it, but the church in Thyatira is one of the seven churches in Asia that uh, the Apostle John writes his words to. And if you remember, Thyatira was Lydia's hometown. There's no record of Paul ever visiting that, that town. In fact, he may have on his third journey, but it's not recorded. So it's quite plausible that maybe Lydia or one of her household went back there and took the gospel to their family or her family there. I'm sure she wanted the town to experience the same love, grace, peace, hope and joy in Christ that she and her household were experiencing. Can't you just see the apostle on his second missionary journey, along with Silas and Luke, confused over why the Holy Spirit is preventing them from taking the gospel to Asia? I mean, God, why would you be stopping us? But then in hindsight, marveling at the realisation that God first wanted, them to, to, uh, he first wanted to lead them to Lydia, a successful Asian, business, successful Asian businesswoman, first before seeing the gospel spread to that region. And in fact, we do know it spread to that region because in Acts 19.10, you can read... These words, all the Jews and Gentiles who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord. Amazing, don't you think? How amazing is that? Isn't, it just, isn't this just like our God revealing to us his vastly superior wisdom behind the way he works in our lives? Isn't that amazing? I think in the moment it's very hard to see because we have blinders on, we don't understand Hindsight is a gift from God, isn't it? From one changed life in Lydia, a whole household, community and region is being impacted by the gospel. The Lord first brought a Jewish missionary and an Asian businesswoman uh, to a European city, hundreds of miles away from both of their birthplaces, so that Lydia could hear the gospel, encounter Jesus, be radically changed, given a new purpose in life and share the Saviour's reality with her household as well as the people in Philippi and maybe even far away in Thyatira. And you know, the gospel spreading through Europe was the journey it had to take to reach you and me. I started sharing the story about my discouragement and uh, failing with the Pray for Five commitment that I'd started the passage is, this passage has helped encourage me to give it another go, to jump back on board, to re-engage with gospel mission, even when it seems hard or closed doors are discouraging me. I just needed to be reminded that God is at work, even if I can't see or understand. God can powerfully change hearts, even the hardest of hearts, and God can change lives and build his church, which he is doing. Where are you at? Where are you at with this? Have you let discourage dampen your gospel enthusiasm? Who is it that you need to maybe start praying for or sharing the gospel with? Practically speaking, I think the way that we let theology like this that we learn impact us is by preaching this truth to ourselves over and over again. It might go like this for you. Why won't my son 
Will my daughter embrace the gospel? Preach to yourself that God can open their hearts. So continue praying. Why does it feel like God isn't on my side and doors just don't seem to be opening? Or I can't see a way forward? Preach to yourself that God is guiding you and in time it will make sense. Whether here or in eternity, it's going to make sense. Is there any hope for me in becoming more like Jesus and less like my old sinful self. I preach this to myself all the time. Preach to you, I say that to myself all the time, and I need, I need to preach this to myself, that God is in the business of changing lives and growing us into maturity. He changes lives. Can God actually do a work here in Tonsley and in Adelaide? Um, Preach to yourself that God will build his church and in his time and in his way. What should we remember when God's gospel mission to build his church seems to be failing? We should remember that God is working providentially in your life to reach the lost. God can powerfully open the hearts of anyone you meet. And God builds his church by changing lives and communities. So why don't we pray? Dear God, we're thankful for your word and we're thankful that uh, it is indeed powerful to change lives, uh, to open hearts, even my heart when it becomes resistive at times. God, I pray that, that we'll be reminded to trust the process one step at a time, to trust that God is in fact leading us. We just need to listen. We just need to have our eyes open to see. God, do that for us. God, encourage us with the fact that God can open hearts. Remind us of this truth. Help us to be patient when it hasn't happened yet. And God, just remind us that your, power, that your work doesn't just stop with us, but it's going to spread out and change lives in this world. So we just thank you and praise you for the clarity of your word. In your name, amen.